Welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Brittany Abrahams. My friends, we're still in a pandemic. I know it fucking sucks. But there's one silver lining. We are still going strong with our At the House series. At the House is a collaboration with the Wild Black Podcast. Each week, we invite you all to share stories on a particular topic and publish some of them here. Over on Wild Black, they dive into the topic with an expert guest. This week, we're covering stories about folklore. If you grew up in the South eating black-eyed peas for New Year's or soup jumu for my Haitian family, you're already familiar with some folklore. Folklore is traditional beliefs, customs, and stories passed down through word of mouth. Some folklore are deeply held spiritual beliefs, and some have become urban legends. Counter to what a certain Michael B. Jordan thinks, it's one of the most relevant and resilient forms of Black storytelling with classic tales found across the diaspora. In fact, many folklore connects our enslaved ancestors in America, Europe, and the Caribbean back to our African roots. Now, this week, we're going to do something a little different. In between each story, Martina will share a classic folklore from around the Black diaspora. So relax, sit back, and enjoy these tales. Before we get into the stories, this episode is sponsored by Identity. They help me manage all the sites I log into across the internet. My info used to be all over the place. I couldn't even tell you which sites I had my card number or my address stored. But now it's all organized in one spot. Our listeners can get started for free at identity.com slash Y-H-M-A-B. Okay, story time. story comes from Aishug. So I come from a family who loves horror films and urban legends of all sorts. And Candyman has to be my favorite one and the one that scares my, myself the most. For those of y'all who don't know about Candyman, he's a melanated guy. And if you say his name five times in the mirror, he'll come and he will kill your ass. Here I am sitting in my living room. House is pitch black. I'm watching Candyman with my mom, my aunt, and my sister. I'm sitting here staring at this movie, watching it, scared as shit. But my little inner seven-year-old self, she's like, I'm a G. We got this. I'll never back down from no scary movie. So I'm sitting there watching Candyman, and I make it through the whole movie. And now it's time to go to bed. So I'm taking a bath with my oldest sister, and my dad comes in, and he turns off the lights, and he's like, Candyman, Candyman. I hop out that tub so fast. I'm slipping and sliding, trying to fucking turn on the light. Get out of the restroom. I don't give a fuck about my sister. She is gone. He got her. For all I know, I was out. So I'm hopping out the tub, scared as shit. I'm scared to go to bed. I got to sleep with the lights on. And I am terrified. Fast forward 
to, to, to this day, I'll watch it now. But even as I watch it now, that, that fear is still there. Mm-mm. Something about him just, just gives me the chills. And I'm sitting here in the restroom that it all happened in, in the house that I grew up in. And I will still not say Candyman in the mirror five times. Shit. I'm recording how many times I said it, but I'm not facing the mirror. So that lets you know how much because I didn't experience some stuff in this house already as it is. And I don't I don't I don't want no man with a hook for a hand coming and gutting me out for saying his name in the mirror. He is not coming to get my little melanated self. This is the legend of Papa Bois. If you're from Trinidad and Tobago, you may know him as Father Wood the protector of the forest and healer of the animals in all of Trinidad. Papa Bois hates hunters. They say that before he was Father Wood, he was a hunter himself. One day, when he was hunting deep in the Trinidadian forest, he was cursed and turned into a half-man, half-deer with cloven hooves and curling horns like a ram, covered in coarse hair with leaves in his beard. Living as this new creature, he saw the horror animals and the forest endured and vowed to stop whomever tries to harm them. Papa Bois can take any form he desires. Sometimes he's a deer. Sometimes he's a short bearded man in raggedy clothes. The one way to know him for sure is the horn he carries around. If you hear its long wail, he's warning the animals that hunters are near. Don't you dare wander into his forest with the intention to hunt or cut down a tree. Because you'll meet the wrath of Papa Bois. Some say he'll put a spell on you and turn you into a wild pig. Others say he'll lead you deep into the forest until you're lost forever. If he's extremely displeased with you, he'll turn you over to his wife, Mama Dlo. And you sure wouldn't want that. Her top half is a beautiful woman but her bottom half is an anaconda. The only way to survive an encounter with Papa Bois is with respect. Greet him politely. His favorite is bonjour, your papa, meaning good day, old father. Now we'll hear from Sid. After moving to Washington, D.C., he discovered a familiar neighborhood site has a dark backstory. I was 10 when my mother, younger sister, and I packed up our little Volkswagen Jetta and drove 15 hours to move from Wisconsin to Washington, D.C. Our small black family moving from the lily-white dairy state to Chocolate City is one of the most profound memories that I can recall. As we made our way into the city, we drove past more black people in three blocks than we'd seen in our whole town back home. My sister, who was a very wise four years old at the time, was sitting in her car seat, looking out the window. With casual assuredness, she said, We must have moved to Africa. We all felt the magnitude of our new surroundings and agreed that this was a very new place for all of us. As a suburban black kid in a new city, there were details of the landscape that I'd never seen before. One of the most prominent being various types of high-top sneakers swinging from the electrical lines up and down Taylor Street on the northwest side of town where we lived. One summer afternoon, 
on a bike ride through the city streets with my neighborhood friends. We saw an older kid, about 15, trying to throw a pair of shoes up on the wire. The shoelaces had been tied to keep the shoes dangling from the wire, but with each attempt, the shoes would just fall off or miss the wire altogether. As we watched, the older boy noticed that we'd stopped to observe him and became visibly nervous, trying even harder to make the perfect throw with enough inertia to get the pair of shoes up on the wire, but not so much that the shoes would come tumbling back down to the ground. I'd never seen this in my hometown. None of the friends I had of any race threw their shoes around at all, let alone up on a wire where they would probably never retrieve them. I asked aloud, why is he doing that? Why is he throwing his shoes up there? Another kid piped up and told me that his older brother told him that the shoes were up there on the wire because someone had made it out of the neighborhood and leaving their shoes behind was a way to leave their mark. Someone else said that the shoes belonged to the kids who died and since their souls had gone to heaven, their shoes were waiting for them in case they came back to visit. For the rest of the day, my ten-year-old mind was haunted with thoughts about how many dead kids there must be, and if those kids' souls did come back, how would they ever untie all those tangled laces on the power lines? To this day, the sight of shoes hanging from raised wires evokes a host of reactions that has become urban legend to be interpreted in unlimited ways. Now that I think back on it, Maybe that kid was trying to throw that pair of shoes up on the telephone wires as a metaphor for everyone to see. In what way he could, maybe he was escaping the limitations of life both assumed and implied. Maybe he was moving away and leaving his mark. But whatever the reason, I hope he's somewhere out there still, living life high above the wire. I call this story the time I dodged a major migraine. My mom isn't old, but she sure isn't tech savvy, and she for sure is not organized. So you can imagine my horror when I go to visit her and she turns to me with a smile so wide that her dimples show. Guess what? She squeals. I'm downsizing. Holy cow. Moving from my childhood home to a townhouse, I guess that is the next step for an empty nester. I hug her tightly. As long as she doesn't ask me to help her pack, I got no worries here. She'll be fine. She got this. Or so I thought. Fast forward a week later, and I'm in her living room, surrounded by boxes, trying to decide what to do with years of stuff that really should be thrown away. She peeks around the corner and asks, how do I cancel my cable? Online, I tell her. She freezes. Oh, well, what's the website? I shrug. Hell if I know. A few minutes later, and she reappears. What's my Amazon login again? I need to change my billing address. And now I see that this move was going to be a lot harder than I thought. And then she's back in the room. Identity, she shouts. Identity! I'm like, huh? But then I remember. A few months ago, I set her up on identity.com. It's this dope site that organizes all of your online accounts into one place. I'm talking everything from your cable, insurance, and bank account to Amazon, Hulu, and all online shopping sites. You can securely access or update each one whenever you need to. We log into Identity and boom! In seconds, she's updating her billing and shipping details across different sites. Aww! And her wide dimple smile is back too. 
who said moving has to be a nightmare. So I guess this is really a story of the time identity helped us both dodge a major migraine. You had me a black listeners can get started for free at identity.com slash Y-H-M-A-B. That's identity, I-D-E-N-A-T-I. This is the legend of the ads. Imagine you're wandering in your village in Ghana, or perhaps visiting your family in Togo, and you hear the wailing cries of someone mourning. You learn later that their child is the ad's latest victim. The ads can take human form, but this vampire creature loves to take the form of a firefly, buzzing into homes undetected through the keyholes. They creep over to your children and suck all their blood. And don't think you can capture it. If you try, the ad will turn into a human and possess you. You'll turn into a witch forever. But that's only if you're lucky. If you're doomed, it'll just eat your organs instead. Either way, there's no way to survive an encounter with the ads. Moms are good for superstitions. Ever heard, a purse on the floor is money out the door? Or keep making that face and it'll get stuck that way? Well, Destiny's mom had one she always repeated to. And they decided to test it out. So the urban legend I'm going to share is from my mother. And her favorite saying to me when I was young and sassy as fuck, and I still am, was keep rolling your motherfucking eyes. They're going to get stuck in the back of your head. Because let me tell you, anytime she told me to do something, Destiny, it's time for bed, I'm rolling my eyes. Destiny, clean your room, I'm rolling my eyes. Like anything that you can imagine... I was a sassy ass fucking kid. So me rolling my eyes was basically saying, fuck you. Like, I don't want to do it. So <laughs> one day I wanted to put it to the test and it was bedtime. But of course, I wasn't listening. And I sat up in the bed and I'm rolling my eyes over and over and over and over again. And they didn't get stuck. It was a fucking myth. And it scared the shit out of me. Kids, do not disrespect your parents and be rolling your eyes because I definitely caught a lot of slaps to the face, slaps to the mouth. It's funny now, but that shit wasn't funny back then. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. Catch part two on the Wild Black podcast on Sunday, July 12th. Our next cycle is all about dating. Sliding in the DMs, to be exact. How's your dating life these days? Are you on the apps? All of them Zoom dates? (laughs) All the online dating has us wondering how y'all's DMs must look. We want to hear the stories. What's a memorable story about a time you slid in someone's DMs or they slid in yours? What happened? Tell us the story. Visit youhadmeatblack.com slash at the house to share with us. There you'll find tips to help you tell a bomb-ass story in five minutes or less. We can't wait to hear it. You Had Me at Black was created by two sisters. That's us, Martina and Brittany Abrahams. We produced this podcast along with Richard White. And Miles Dotson, our sound designer and engineer, he makes us sound good. Peace.